Section 15 of Captain Singleton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Dennis Sayers. The Life, Adventures, and Piracies of the Famous Captain Singleton by Daniel Defoe. We stayed here twelve days, during which time the natives were very obliging to us, and brought us fruits, pompions, and a root like carrots, though of quite another taste, but not unpleasant neither, and some guinea-fowls, whose names we did not know. In short, they brought us plenty of what they had, and we lived very well, and we gave them all such little things as our cutler had made for he now had a whole bagful of them. On the thirteenth day we set forward, taking our new gentleman with us. At parting, the negro king sent two savages with a present to him of some dried flesh, but I do not remember what it was, and he gave him again three silver birds which our cutler helped him to, which, I assure you, was a present for a king. We travelled now south, a little west, and here we found the first river for above two thousand miles march, whose waters run south, all the rest running north or west. We followed this river, which was no bigger than a good large brook in England, till it began to increase its water. Every now and then we found our Englishmen went down, as it were, privately to the water which was to try the land. At length, after a day's march upon this river, he came running up to us with his hands full of sand, and saying, Look here! Upon looking we found that a good deal of gold lay spangled among the sand of the river. Now, says he, I think we may begin to work. So he divided our negroes into couples, and set them to work, to search and wash the sand and ooze in the bottom of the river where it was not deep. In the first day and a quarter our men altogether had gathered a pound and two ounces of gold, or thereabouts, and as we found the quantity increased, the farther we went, we followed it about three days, till another small rivulet joined the first, and then, searching up the stream, we found gold there too. So we pitched our camp in the angle where the rivers joined, and we diverted ourselves, as I may call it, in washing the gold out of the sand of the river, and in getting provisions. Here we stayed thirteen days more, in which time we had many pleasant adventures with the savages, too long to mention here, and some of them too homely to tell of, for some of our men had made something free with their women, which had not our new guide made peace for us with one of their men at the price of seven fine bits of silver which our artificer had cut out into the shapes of lions and fishes and birds and had punched holes to hang them up by an inestimable treasure we must have gone to war with them and all their people all the while we were busy washing gold dust out of the rivers and our negroes the like. Our ingenious cutler was hammering and cutting, 
and he was grown so dexterous by use that he formed all manner of images. He cut out elephants, tigers, civet cats, ostriches, eagles, cranes, fowls, fishes, and indeed whatever he pleased, in thin plates of hammered gold, for his silver and iron were almost all gone. At one of the towns of the savage nations we were very friendly received by their king, and as he was very much taken with our workmen's toys, he sold him an elephant cut out of a gold plate as thin as a sixpence at an extravagant rate. He was so much taken with it that he would not be quiet till he had given him almost a handful of gold dust, as they call it. I suppose it might weigh three-quarters of a pound. The piece of gold that the elephant was made of might be about the weight of a pistol, rather less than more. Our artist was so honest, though the labor and art were all his own, that he brought all the gold and put it into our common stock. But we had indeed no manner of reason in the least to be covetous, for, as our new guide told us, we that were strong enough to defend ourselves, and had time enough to stay, for we were none of us in haste, might in time get together what quantity of gold we pleased, even to a hundred pounds weight each man, if we thought fit. And therefore, he told us, though he had as much reason to be sick of the country as any of us, Yet, if we thought to turn our march a little to the south-east, and pitch upon a place proper for our headquarters, we might find provisions plenty enough, and extend ourselves over the country among the rivers for two or three years to the right and left, and we should soon find the advantage of it. The proposal, however good as to the profitable part of it, suited none of us, for we were all more desirous to get home than to be rich, being tired of the excessive fatigue of about a year's continual wandering among deserts and wild beasts. However, the tongue of our new acquaintance had a kind of charm in it, and used such arguments, and had so much the power of persuasion, that there was no resisting him, he told us it was preposterous not to take the fruit of all our labors now we were come to the harvest, that we might see the hazard the Europeans run with ships and men, and at great expense, to fetch a little gold, and that we, that were in the center of it, to go away empty-handed was unaccountable, that we were strong enough to fight our way through whole nations, and might make our journey afterward to what part of the coast we pleased, and we should never forgive ourselves when we came to our own country to see that we had five hundred pistoles in gold, and might as easily have had five thousand, or ten thousand, or what we pleased, that he was no more covetous than we, but seeing it was in all our powers to retrieve our misfortunes at once, and to make ourselves easy for all our lives, he could not be faithful to us, or grateful for the good we had done him 
if he did not let us see the advantage we had in our hands, and he assured us he would make it clear to our own understanding that we might in two years' time, by good management and by the help of our negroes, gather every man a hundred pounds weight of gold, and get together perhaps two hundred ton of teeth, whereas, if once we pushed on to the coast and separated, we should never be able to see that place again with our eyes, or do any more than sinners did with heaven. Wish themselves there, but know they can never come at it. Our surgeon was the first man that yielded to his reasoning, and after him the gunner, and they too, indeed, had a great influence over us, but none of the rest had any mind to stay, nor I neither, I must confess, for I had no notion of a great deal of money, or what to do with myself, or what to do with it, if I had it. I thought I had enough already, and all the thoughts I had about disposing of it, if I came to Europe, was only how to spend it as fast as I could, buy me some new clothes, and go to sea again, to be a drudge for more. However, he prevailed with us, by his good words, at last, to stay but for six months in the country, and then, if we did resolve to go, he would submit. So, at length, we yielded to that, and he carried us about fifty English miles southeast, where we found several rivulets of water, which seemed to come all from a great ridge of mountains, which lay to the northeast, and which, by our calculation, must be the beginning that way of the great waste, which we had been forced northward to avoid. Here we found the country barren enough, but yet we had, by his direction, plenty of food, for the savages around us, upon giving them some of our toys, as I have so often mentioned, brought us in whatever they had, and here we found some maize, or Indian wheat, which the negro women planted as we sow seeds in a garden, and immediately our new provider ordered some of our negroes to plant it, and it grew up presently, and by watering it often we had a crop in less than three months' growth. As soon as we were settled, and our camp fixed, we fell to the old trade of fishing for gold in the rivers mentioned above, and our English gentlemen so well knew how to direct our search that we scarce ever lost our labor. One time, having set us to work, he asked if we would give him leave, with four or five negroes, to go out for six or seven days to seek his fortune, and see what he could discover in the country, assuring us whatever he got should be for the public stock. We all gave him our consent, and lent him a gun, and two of our men, desiring to go with him, they took then six negroes with them, and two of our buffaloes that came with us the whole journey. They took about eight days' provision of bread with them, but no flesh, except about as much dried flesh as would serve them two days. They travelled up to the top of the mountains I mentioned just now, where they saw, as our men afterwards vouched it to be, the same desert 
which we so justly terrified at when we were on the farther side, and which, by our calculation, could not be less than three hundred miles broad, and above six hundred miles in length, without knowing where it ended. The journal of their travels is too long to enter upon here. They stayed out two and fifty days, when they brought us seventeen pound, and something more, for we had no exact weight, of gold dust, some of it in much larger pieces than any we had found before. Besides, about fifteen ton of elephant's teeth, which he had, partly by good usage and partly by bad, obliged the savages of the country to fetch and bring down to him from the mountains, and which he had made others bring with him quite down to our camp. Indeed, we wondered what was coming to us when we saw him attended with above two hundred negroes, but he soon undeceived us when he made them all throw down their burdens on a heap at the entrance of our camp. Besides this, they brought two lion skins and five leopard skins, very large and very fine. He asked our pardon for his long stay, and that he had made no greater a booty, but told us he had one excursion more to make, which he hoped should turn to a better account. So, having rested himself, and rewarded the savages that brought the teeth for him, with some bits of silver and iron cut out diamond fashion, and with two shaped like little dogs, he sent them away mightily pleased. The second journey he went, some more of our men desired to go with him, and they made a troop of ten white men and ten savages, and the two buffaloes to carry their provisions and ammunition. They took the same course, only not exactly the same track, and they stayed thirty-two days only, in which time they killed no less than fifteen leopards, three lions, and several other creatures, and brought us home four and twenty pound, some ounces, of gold dust, and only six elephants' teeth, but they were very great ones. Our friend the Englishman showed us that now our time was well bestowed, for in five months which we had stayed here, we had gathered so much gold dust that, when we came to share it, we had five pound and a quarter to a man, besides what we had before, and, besides, six or seven pound weight, which we had at several times given our artificers to make baubles with. And now we talked of going forward to the coast to put an end to our journey. But our guide laughed at us then. Nay, you can't go now, says he, for the rainy season begins next month, and there will be no stirring then. This we found indeed reasonable, so we resolved to furnish ourselves with provisions, that we might not be obliged to go abroad too much in the rain, and we spread ourselves some one way and some another as far as we cared to venture to get provisions, and our negroes killed us some deer, which we cured as well as we could in the sun, for we had now no salt. By this time the rainy months were set in, 
and we could scarce for above two months look out of our huts. But that was not all, for the rivers were so swelled with land floods that we scarce knew the little brooks and rivulets from the great navigable rivers. This had been a very good opportunity to have conveyed, by water, upon rafts our elephant's teeth, of which we had a very great pile, for, as we always gave the savages some reward for their labor, the very women would bring us teeth upon every opportunity, and sometimes a great tooth carried between two, so that our quantity was increased to about two and twenty ton of teeth. As soon as the weather proved fair again, he told us he would not press us to any further stay since we did not care whether we got any more gold or no, that we were indeed the first men he ever met with in his life that said they had gold enough, and of whom it might be truly said that when it lay under our feet we would not stoop to take it up. But since he had made us a promise, he would not break it, nor press us to make any further stay, only he thought he ought to tell us that now was the time, after the land flood, when the greatest quantity of gold was found, and that, if we stayed but one month, we should see thousands of savages spread themselves over the whole country to wash the gold out of the sand, for the European ships which would come on the coast. That they do it then, because the rage of the floods always works down a great deal of gold out of the hills, and if we took the advantage to be there before them, we did not know what extraordinary things we might find. This was so forcible, and so well argued, that it appeared in all our faces we were prevailed upon. So we told him we would all stay, for, though it was true we were all eager to be gone, yet the evident prospect of so much advantage could not well be resisted, that he was greatly mistaken when he suggested that we did not desire to increase our store of gold, and in that we were resolved to make the utmost use of the advantage that was in our hands, and would stay as long as any gold was to be had, if it was another year. He could hardly express the joy he was in on this occasion, and the fair weather coming on, we began, just as he directed, to search about the rivers for more gold. At first we had but little encouragement, and began to be doubtful. But it was very plain that the reason was, the water was not fully fallen, or the rivers reduced to their usual channel. But in a few days we were fully requited, and found much more gold than at first and in bigger lumps, and one of our men washed out of the sand a piece of gold as big as a small nut, which weighed, by our estimation, for we had no small weights, almost an ounce and a half. This success made us extremely diligent, and in little more than a month we had altogether gotten near sixty pound weight of gold. But after this, as he told us, we found abundance of the savages, men, women, and children, hunting every river and brook, 
and even the dry land of the hills for gold, so that we could do nothing like them compared to what we had done before. But our artificer found a way to make other people find us in gold without our own labor. For when these people began to appear, he had a considerable quantity of his toys, birds, beasts, etc., such as before, ready for them. And the English gentleman, being the interpreter, he brought the savages to admire them. So our cutler had trade enough, and to be sure, sold his goods at a monstrous rate, for he would get an ounce of gold, sometimes two, for a bit of silver, perhaps the value of a groat. Nay, if it were iron, and if it was of gold, they would not give the more for it, and it was incredible almost to think what a quantity of gold he got that way. In a word, to bring this happy journey to a conclusion, we increased our stock of gold here, in three months' stay more, to such a degree that, bringing it all to a common stock in order to share it, we divided almost four pound weight again to every man, and then we set forward for the Gold Coast to see what method we could find out for our passage into Europe. There happened several remarkable incidents in this part of our journey as to how we were or were not received friendly by the several nations of savages through which we passed, how we delivered one negro king from captivity who had been a benefactor to our new guide, and now our guide, in gratitude, by our assistance, restored him to his kingdom which perhaps might contain about three hundred subjects, how he entertained us, and how he made his subjects go with our Englishmen and fetch all our elephants' teeth, which we had been obliged to leave behind us, and to carry them for us to the river, the name of which I forgot, where we made rafts, and in eleven days more came down to one of the Dutch settlements on the Gold Coast, where we arrived in perfect health, and to our great satisfaction. As for our cargo of teeth, we sold it to the Dutch factory, and received clothes and other necessaries for ourselves, and such of our negroes as we thought fit to keep with us. And it is to be observed that we had four pound of gunpowder left when we ended our journey. The negro prince we made perfectly free, clothed him out of our common stock, and gave him a pound and a half of gold for himself, which he knew very well how to manage. And here we all parted, after the most friendly manner possible. Our Englishman remained in the Dutch factory some time, and, as I heard afterwards, died there of grief. For he, having sent a thousand pounds sterling over to England, by the way of Holland, for his refuge at his return to his friends, the ship was taken by the French, and the effects all lost. The rest of my comrades went away, in a small bark, to the two Portuguese factories near Gambia, in the latitude of fourteen, and I, with two negroes which I kept with me, went away to 
Cape Coast Castle, where I got passage for England, and arrived there in September, and thus ended my first harvest of wild oats. The rest were not sowed to so much advantage. I had neither friend, relation, nor acquaintance in England, though it was my native country. I had, consequently, no person to trust with what I had, or to counsel me to secure or save it. But, falling into ill company, and trusting the keeper of a public-house in Rotherhithe, with a great part of my money, and hastily squandering away the rest, all that great sum, which I got with so much pains and hazard, was gone in little more than two years' time. And, as I even rage in my own thoughts to reflect upon the manner how it was wasted, so I need record no more. The rest merits to be concealed with blushes, for that it was spent in all kinds of folly and wickedness. So this scene of my life may be said to have begun in theft, and ended in luxury, a sad setting out, and a worse coming home. End of section 15 Read by Dennis Sayers in Modesto, California for LibriVox.